0: The unisex watch trend is mostly about marketing efficiency. Someone is really excited about the idea that the watch can be marketed to anyone in general and that it'll sell. And they're like excited about not actually having to speak to a specific group, but they can't because marketing is about finding a specific group, saying something relevant to that group, and it hitting home. I don't know anyone out there that says, I'm only gonna buy a unisex watch. I mean, they may exist, but I'm saying it's a very small percentage of people. I'm so sorry. You actually have to market to individual groups.
1: On this week's show, Big Watch, Little Watch cardboard box, with a Seiko in it of a yet undetermined price. We make our first visit to eBay corner, ask, hashtag, is it okay to like the new Spider-Man AP? No, it
0: isn't. And talk about watches from Bulgari, Hanhart, and Panerai. Enjoy the show.
2: Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog To Watch Weekly. Ariel and David are both here. Let's start with David. How are you? Good. How are you? I am not bad either. Thank you for asking. What have you been up to this week? I see a little image that suggests you may have started your watch building project.
1: No, not really. But what I have is I'm writing about the, uh, what should be, Knights of the Round Table and it will be an article unlike others. Let's just put it that way.
2: What are you? Are you bringing? Have you like discovered Excalibur, or yeah, where Arthur maybe, maybe. lived? <laughs> got, got the whole nine yards. Yes. Who's playing Guinevere? Um,
0: Benami is.
1: He's out
2: of a job now. You know, David, we're not allowed to speak
0: to anyone from the UK about these stories because they get very possessive of it. Like they, they, they know the story. We don't, but they
2: know the story. It's theirs. Will they go off for twenty minutes talking about Arthur and that his castle was near where I live and not near where you live? Actually, there is a claim to Camelot being near where I live in Scotland, which does seem the most ridiculous thing that anyone has ever suggested. But there we go. Ariel, how are you? Well, now
0: I'm thinking about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Thank you very much.
2: I was trying to avoid the references, but I'm glad you went there because it just gives me the chance to talk about the Knights at sea We me. We have so and many
0: things next week going on. We got Las Vegas coming up. We have some of the team yes. members that are going to be in New York. Uh, David's going to be in Paris. Um, I feel like the next time we have this conversation, there's going to be way too many weird new watches that we see. And it's odd because it's like June.
2: And there's also going to be time for a blog to watch Watches Watches. So make sure you all tune in to your uh, in-flight movies for some watch reviews. Oh, yeah. Tell us about Couture. What's happening?
0: Uh, at Couture in Las Vegas, you know, it. yeah, it's... I'd say there's probably about a dozen watch brands that go there. It's mostly a jewelry show. If you're really enterprising, looking for a good deal, it's actually amazing because there's a, uh, a one of the IWJG shows right before. I think it's actually happened today for a few days, which is like where to get you know dealer to dealer jewelry and watches, and then they have the antiques uh, show, the antique jewelry and watch show, which is happening at the same time. And these are. This is where you go to get really, really good deals in person. The best deals aren't even online anymore. In fact, I don't really think they are online anymore. They're going to happen um, in person. And then, of course, you have the show where a lot of brands go. And yes, there's going to be new watches, but it's also where we get to have a little bit more of a civilized conversation compared to Watches and Wonders, which is like, go, 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 go. So this is when we spend a few days having a really long time to get to know brands, to, to know what's going on. You know, big groups. Uh, Shinola is going to be there, and Citizen, Casio, and and there's going to be a lot of opportunity there to sort of discuss things. So the Japanese uh, brands, seeing what's going on with them outside of Grand Seiko, we really haven't had a, a, any formal opportunities to see anyone because Grand Seiko is at Watches and Wonders. So um, we'll we'll see what goes on. But uh, we've been going to this for over ten years now. David's been before. It's it's a worthwhile
2: event. I I I think it's a good time. Good stuff. And David, you're going to Paris. Can you tell us what you're going to Paris for?
1: I'm going to Paris because Breguet is launching something new. I'm not sure if we're supposed to say what it is, but you guys will learn about it. If not next week, then the week after that.
2: Brigade launching something new—that seems slightly oxymoronic.
1: Mm, well, it's based on something that they've made for some time. It's true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so when we say so when we say new, we mean they're reaching back into the archives. It's not like they're coming up with a sports watch or a connected watch.
1: Probably not a connected brigade. No, <laughs> although that would be hysterical it's antiquated enough now <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right been going for 40 years yeah. we can now make a connected <laughs> well look out on the site for all of that our topic for this week to get us going is from jake's article on monday and this is his from the comment series smaller watches aren't going to hurt you david Are smaller watches going to hurt you?
1: They are yet to hurt me. Large watches have hurt me. Uh, You can have them (laughs) dig into your wrist or get caught on something and and do something like that. Um, It's stuff that people tend to survive. It's not that bad, but it's annoying. And uh, (laughs) smaller watches are less likely for that to happen. So, yeah, who knows? But I don't think they are out there to hurt you either.
2: Have they hurt your pocket at all? The reduction in sizes of watches that you maybe liked but wouldn't have worn? that they're now coming out in smaller sizes, is that now something, you know, are there more watches that have appealed to? Do you prefer a smaller watch to a it's, larger watch?
1: It's not that, it's that some watches that I like that were under the radar are coming up in price now with the smaller watch trend and gaining traction. So that's what's happening.
2: So you think that because people are getting into wearing smaller watches, I mean, smaller watches we probably mean what, 36, 35, Yeah, 36. 37?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I would say at 38 and under.
2: 30, because these are becoming more popular the prices are going up.
1: Yes. Of the of the of the older versions as well. So if you look at something from 10 20 30 years ago and they are making essentially the same watch today, then of course that will pull up the uh the resale values of older watches as well. So that that happens sometimes.
2: right I mean people with smaller wrists probably eat less, so, you know, they can afford it. The The savings they make on food and other things, you know, they're wearing, chi- wearing children' size clothes and you know smaller shoes and things. They've, they've got the extra cash spare to spend on these smaller watches. Hmm. Ariel, let's let's hear how animated you can get about this debate of first world problems that are smaller watches versus bigger ones. Oh
0: man, it really is a first world problem. <laughs> when I when I first started getting into watches was an era where we were moving from a smaller size to a larger size. So a lot of the men's watches were averaging about, you know, maybe 40, uh, 36 to 40 millimeters, I would say. And then the late 90s and early 2000s, you started to see watches get a lot bigger. Panerai had a lot to do with that. And 42 and 44 or, or even higher, 45, 46 millimeters started to become very popular. And a lot of it was because watches like this didn't really exist. Outside of a lot of specialized sport watches, it was hard to get a large daily wear and i know this because i was i was you know buying a lot of watches on ebay at the time or or just sort of looking in general and i noticed that a lot of watches i otherwise would like had diameters that were like 37 38 millimeters which was a totally standard men's watch size which not considered large at all during most of the 1990s 40 millimeters would have been considered large 42 even larger and again 44 just you didn't really have a lot of timepieces at all that were made in that size. So I think there was a, there was several years of a flirtation and sort of an interesting exploration of what it was like to wear these larger watches. And there's a lot of fun for it. And then the pendulum swings back and everyone who is exclusively wearing larger watches realizes they sort of miss out. And I think what's strange is sort of all or nothing approach and the fact that a, a size is trendy. I think what it really is, is every individual person has sizes they do or don't like. And there's things that do or don't work. You should be testing a lot of different watch sizes all the time and like pants or shoes or any other type of thing which fits on your body, there is no one size fits all. So the idea that people get very emotional when someone else likes a different size on them, it's like getting upset because someone has a different shoe size than you, like it just it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I think it does present a very big challenge for brands when they're trying to figure out like what size to make a watch or what size people want and i think that the question needs to be turned back around and and i'd like to know your thoughts on this but certain watches just look good in different sizes sometimes like it looks great in 36 and then you have it in 40 and like the proportions are off and it's weird so a does the watch look good in the size and some watches look great big others don't look so good big and then you know does it look silly on you your your eyes are the judge i mean I have an issue where I'll wear a lot of watches that are too small, and I won't be able to leave the house with it. I'll be like, "Oh, I'm not wearing long sleeves because it just feels small for me." Maybe you, Rick or David, looking from the side, be like, "Ariel, that looks fine." But for something in my mind, it just it it you know it looks too small, and I'm like, "Darn, I really wanted to wear it, but it just didn't go with sort of how I felt." Again, it's a very personal thing, so I think that people should definitely try different sizes, but there's really no there's no correct size, and the idea that you would scrutinize someone because they're wearing a different size than you like
2: is is kind of absurd, right? The thing about watch size is, unlike everything else that you wear, like you can't wear shoes that are too big for you. You look like a clown. You can't wear a shirt that's too small for you. You look stupid. All your fat bits will stick out the sides. Like, it is the one thing you wear that you can wear different sizes of and potentially not look stupid. That's an excellent point. you can't you can't wear things that are the wrong size but you can wear a watch that's different size i also think that actually a lot of what this falls down to is that jake david ed myself i've not actually been there with youario when we've been to the Bulgari stand is that fundamentally we all want an excuse to wear the serpente and be able to get away with it because I've yet to see a guy try on what is clearly a women's designed watch in the Serpente and not go, oh, I really wish I could wear that. I mean, we've worn about.
0: it. David and I have at <laughs> least. I mean, I know. I've, I've, I've worn it in front of a group of people and they all be like, uh, too much arm hair. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs>
2: it's when the veins in the back of your wrist are the same size as the width of the strap of the, of, of the watch that it starts to become a little bit odd looking. But yeah. I mean, I'm definitely team large watch. I think, Arrow, your team large watch as well. I wear a 44 mil Panerai pretty much 95% of the time. And so putting on a smaller watch, it's not just the problem of wearing a smaller watch for me. It's the problem of I'm so used to looking at a larger watch that a smaller watch looks really small. It's psychological, like
0: right? Like there's something in your brain where you're like, eh, it doesn't look right. And like, it's not about big or small. It's just like, it just doesn't look right.
2: Also, I'm short-sighted or long-sighted. Whatever one it means that if I've got my glasses on, etc., And I can read a Panerai without my glasses. Anything else is too small. Don't make it about legibility.
0: You're just adding fuel to the fire to the opposite (laughs) argument. They're going to be like, get LASIK, pal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but legibility is an interesting question, though. To what extent does it matter how legible it is? Because there's no doubt as watches get smaller, presumably they get Harder to read.
0: I mean, there's so many other factors in dial size, how cluttered the dial is, contrast. I mean, I I think that if we're going to focus on the the argument to where a larger watch is easier to read, I mean, you have to have really bad vision.
2: (laughs) So, is there then, because Jake kind of posits us at the start of the article about the lines starting to fade between women's watches and men's watches? I don't think it's fading. Not according to men as quickly. <laughs> it's true.
0: It's it's it, it's it's more women are mar- wearing men's watches. The opposite yes. isn't happening.
2: Is the reality not that unisex is now the new women's watch?
0: I mean people need terms. I've written about this Uh extensively and we've even talked about it where the unisex watch trend is mostly about marketing efficiency. Someone is really excited about the idea that the watch can be just marketed to anyone in general and that it'll sell. And they're like excited about not actually having to speak to a specific group, but they can't because marketing is about finding a specific group, saying something relevant to that group and, and, and it, and it, and it hitting home and, most of the people who buy watches identify as uh, as either a man or a woman and so you have men that want a men's watch and then you have women that want a women's watch or a men's watch i don't know anyone out there that says i'm only going to buy a unisex watch i mean they may exist but i'm saying it's a very small percentage of people so there's no actual consumer demand for unisex watches it's just like i said this attempt in my opinion to be more efficient when it comes to marketing but it's it's a fantasy you could can, you can never actually get that efficient i'm so sorry you actually have to market to individual
2: groups so what's the future um look into your crystal ball both of you what what happens is this does the trend reverse it's a naming convention the
0: watches don't change it's just it's just people are going to stop saying this silly thing look at some point retailers they, they make these decisions they say terms like if they say the term automatic and that helps them sell watches, they keep saying the term automatic. And that again, they, I think self-winding actually is, is a little bit more effective than automatic sometimes, but it doesn't matter. If they keep saying unisex and the consumer doesn't flinch, they're just going to stop saying it. So I actually can't predict. I don't think a lot of consumers respond that well to it. And if my prediction is correct, then the term will just stop being used because it doesn't move people emotionally in any way.
2: And what happens to watch sizes in the next five years? Do we flip? Do Hollywood release another movie? with The Rock and he wears some 55 mil Panerai or... There's a place
0: for everything in the market. Everything in the market has a place and we know that. Everything in the market. And so there's space for watches at all sizes. There are wares for them out there. I, I mean, again, there are some watches that we've all worn that have been too big and we've definitely worn some that are too small. I think the danger is a brand being like, okay, 40 millimeter, that's the thing. Let's design watches around it. No, design a beautiful watch and then aesthetically ask yourself what proportions uh, flatter that size the most. I think that's really the way to go. So if there's variety, I will be happy. If people just say watches should be big or watches should be small, that in my opinion is the problem.
2: But is there anything to note of the fact that while all the geeks are talking about how watch sizes are getting smaller, David. I know you have a particular thing about the future of smaller gold watches. That Rolex are actually making their watches gradually ever so slightly bigger now.
1: Yeah, but they are they are in a fifteen year delay. I always have been, so that's fine. That that just proves the point. So,
2: Ro- so Rolex are behind rather than ahead. In some ways, yes. If there was a particular watch that you could have made larger or smaller is there anything that springs to mind for me i would like to see the squadra come back the effectively the larger reversal because i think that's a cool watch personally Uh, i'll fight you all in the comment section if you wish
1: that was very cool but ungainly to wear uh, at least i found
2: anything in your realm you think yep that's a watch i would have worn or would have bought had it been either bigger or smaller
1: some crazy IWCs in ceramic I would wear if they were smaller. A lot of them, some, some perpetual, some not, some just basic chronos I find. I look them up and I'm like, oh, they're so amazing, so cool, 45, 47. And they're just way too large. <laughs> um, and, and I would love to see IWC make something uh, something smaller. Yeah, maybe we will see them do that.
2: Okay, Ariel, anything, any size issue that's ever put you off a watch? Yeah,
0: all the time. I mean, I'm constantly wearing watches that I think are the wrong size, but that's okay because I have just one wrist. And, you know, I think that you go out there and you find the watches that work for you. There's enough of them. There's enough watches that if I had, you know, to wear a different watch for several years in a row, I could definitely do that and have watches that that fit my wrist. So yeah, it's a shame when the right watch comes around and it's just not sized for you. But you know what? There's another person out there who that watch is going to look perfect on. And so that makes it okay.
2: Good stuff. Well, go and check out that article from Jake this week. Do leave your thoughts in the comment section. We have, at the last minute, a Seiko PR flash. So it seems only fair. We were going to play Guess the Price of the Seiko on the article on the Seiko Prospects. Yeah, PB333J1. But, but, which is a very nice watch, we'll talk about it at the moment, but in the last five minutes a seiko pr flash has dropped in so this means there can be no cheating amongst you two so i'm going to read out the specification
0: which happens all the time i just want to say for everyone listening multiple times has a seiko watch just been released before we do the show which goes back to the problem that seiko's releasing watches way too fast that's part of our point love you seiko way too fast with the releases go ahead rick
2: yeah, and just to make it even worse, this is a King Seiko. Uh-oh. So just when you thought we had Seikos and Grand Seikos and that the King Seiko was going to be a special, clearly Seiko are determined to push in to the whole King Seiko thing again. So this is a King Seiko. It is apparently inspired by a classic KSK, whatever that is. It is a slimline caliber. So it's a 6L35, Oh geez. which is the first appearance of this in a King Seiko. Okay, so that's your starter for 10. There are two versions of this watch being released, one in white, one in black. The size is 38.6, so definitely in the small watch category. 45 hours power reserve, steel, water resistance of 5 bar. They're pushed into the anti-magnetic side of it. The question though is, where have they priced this at? Now, I'm going to need to ask you to do this in Euros. Because it's what's been provided to us. Oh, jeez. So, in euros for the SJE089 King Seiko, Ariel, what are you paying?
0: Uh, like, about a thousand euros?
1: I'll go with two thousand.
2: Oh, you'll go with two thousand euros. Well... If you were to add both of your prices together, you still couldn't afford it. What? Because this is priced at three thousand four hundred euros. <laughs> so, go figure.
0: <bigger>. How <laughs> did they come I, up I, with that? I have no idea.
1: It's a six L thirty five. That's why it's a it's a fancy er movement. That's the only that's the only giveaway. But I I was still off by fifty percent. Okay, so. <laughs>
2: No, nobody can think of why. Okay, okay. Let me
0: let me say this. I I know that they're great. I'm sure it has advantages, but I still haven't determined how movements like that are more, um, more effective or more desirable than sort of like a twenty eight twenty four or something like that. It could be, or maybe even a twenty eight ninety two, but you don't need to spend that much to get a watch with a twenty eight twenty four or twenty eight ninety two. So I guess I'm just not understanding how this is, you know how you can command that i know that there's sort of a hierarchy at seiko and again i'm not saying that any of us have the answer but like this is a question that a lot of people have it's like okay you have my attention could you please explain why and i'm not sure that seiko is doing an amazing job at that yeah
2: who's buying these kings i mean who? who is yeah. <laughs> yeah but who is Who genuinely who is going into a shop and dropping three and a half thousand euros on a King Seiko like this, as opposed to like even a Grand Seiko. What if your
0: initials were KSK? You basically have to buy it, right? Yes, yeah, you're obliged, yeah. but you get a discount.
2: <laughs> if you if your initials are KSK, then reach out to the show. We'll see if we can set you up with a discount.
1: So it's like a six out thirty five. I, I you know it's accurate to minus 10 to plus 15 seconds per day has a 45 hour power reserve it's admittedly admirably slim but still it's like three and a half thousand dollars so or or even more because that was yours. it's like a four grand watch almost um which is which is just a lot for one of these so i think to answer your question or if someone goes into a boutique and they look at seiko and they don't want to buy the cheap stuff because they've already had those they can't get stretched to a Grand seiko and then they end up with something like this
0: okay (laughs) <laughs> that's I guess. that's like like you're right but it's like when are the cards gonna fall exactly that way
1: well <laughs> i don't know
2: <laughs> there's been a little bit of an interruption there because i had to pop outside and in the interim david and ariel have been surfing ebay and have found a particularly interesting store what do you mean in the interim now... all i do is surf ebay Okay, fair (laughs) enough. So this is. Do you want to tell us how you came across this eBay store? Um. Well, I I, you know I'll
0: search for strange things from time to time on eBay, and then I'll notice that like one store will have a few of the watches I'm looking at. I'm like, wait a minute, and then you know I'll I'll see, uh, who it is. You know, so I I don't know. (laughs) I don't actually know a lot of these people are, and much of the time I'll get excited, and then like the stores in like Japan. So if it's in the United States, I'm like, that's cool. Like i don't know what it is but like me and japanese watch lovers we are like our tastes overlap so much i feel like maybe something i should have been born in japan i don't know like we have the exact same (laughs) watches like david you see you notice that like i go there and like i like all the same watches
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: i yeah remember that tome was like four thousand word tome on shopping for watches in tokyo because it was just like i want someone else to be excited about this too (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, I, oh, exactly. I so want to. I desperately want to go to Japan and just shop around for watches. I, I would go broke there for sure. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> well, you found this fairly local to you, I think. The Suter House, which appears to have some watches on it that you, you, you meet across been the country, local. Over. Yeah, super local.
0: Florida, Florida, and California—just you know, neighbors practically.
2: <laughs> just round the corner. Just round the corner. Anyway, you've been. <laughs> you've been finding some extraordinary stuff in here so for those of you that want to play along at home log on to ebay this is not a sponsor, by the way this is just happened because i had to leave the room recording studio for a moment tell us tell us what you found you have
1: to look at this the one that i just sent this aquanautic Again, auto translators in to uh, to Hungarian, and I'm not sure what some of these are were in English, <laughs> but um, <laughs> hmm, it's oh, wow! It, it it reminds me of a Montegrappa, yeah, that made love to an alien, and then the alien had indigestion, and then somehow this whole thing it's it's unbelievable.
0: Did you say the alien had indige- indigestion? That's an awful lot of like fantasy um, anatomy knowledge. Yes,
1: <laughs> it's it, it's all made up, but you can call it knowledge. <laughs> wow,
2: look at this! You have to see it. This is now just turning into things we found on eBay.
0: <laughs> I tried to make a whole show concept about this. I mean, we've even done these with eBay, where we've done these um, we've done these various types of videos where we just shop on eBay. Uh, for the video david and i have done them um because it can be quite an enjoyable thing to just you know uh see what you can find sometimes you buy stuff but like you you learn an awful lot and for me i'm like seeing my age where i'm like oh i remember where that came out when i was first uh you know first getting to watches and now it's like oh this vintage so-and-so i'm like wait a minute early 2000s is vintage now and i guess in a way it is
1: (laughs) Yes. KSP2202. That's the one you want to Google. KSP2202. You have to see that. It even came on the bracelet. These guys were out of control.
0: One of the things that I I think is really important about eBay is you you see which watches uh, or brands that just came out are a flop, right? Not saying their watches (laughs) are bad. But what you have a lot is a watch brand will come out, and then all of a sudden, quietly, you'll see their stuff on eBay for like at least 60% off. Like, I'm seeing watches right now, like, on. Various types of stores we're looking at, like, you know, close to 80% off of retail. And I'm not saying that those are necessarily authentic retail prices. But the bottom line is that these are, there are a lot of deals. And so it amuses me where people like only know to look for the very hot in-demand watches. Mm. I think the behavior that people need to do is what David and I are doing is just sort of, you know, mess around on eBay and find things. I mean, uh, the one you found, that the the, the Yerman and Stuby you know, the hole-in-one watch. This one came out about 20 years ago. It was a mechanical watch that allowed you to track your golf game. No one talked about it until Hublot did something substantially similar for a way higher price point. And so it's just, it, it's often the times that the big popular brand will make something a hit, but they're rarely first. And, you know, I think that if you, there's a complication or a material or something you like, there's some brand out there that has it for significantly less than
2: Cartier. Yeah. Okay. Well, do we'll we'll maybe make it we'll maybe make an ebay corner every so often
0: yeah no but there's 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 amazing stuff in here for like if you want to spend between one and two thousand dollars like if that is your budget the amount of insane stuff that you can buy in watches on ebay will just blow your mind i mean there's tens of thousands but like that price point alone between one and two thousand dollars you can even order eBay's. Um, it's their. It's their authenticity guaranteed. That there's a version that's under that you pay eighty eighty dollars for, and they do the whole service. Totally worth it.
2: Yeah, I want to know what happens if you buy one of these. Like, so you buy so this KSP twenty two O two is a thousand dollars. So you buy that, you pay the extra eighty dollars to get the authenticity guaranteed what happens to the poor watchmaker when this arrives in his desk being asked, oh, is this authentic? What on earth are you checking it against? Going, oh yeah, we've got stock photos of what this should look like. And, yeah.
0: That's a good question. I mean, <laughs> you know, I was actually under the logic many years ago that if a watch was pretty niche, there's no chance that there's like anybody that even wanted to fake it. And then I started being shown some of the websites yeah. where fakes were sold. and I was like, amazed at how niche they were getting like there were watches yeah. that like I don't even know that anybody wanted them and they were making <laughs> fakes about it and like I I was impressed at their like industriousness I guess but maybe there's this whole weird world of of people that want it's like they don't want to spend a thousand dollars on it but five hundred dollars will do and maybe there's someone out there that'll make them so I it's strange to me
2: but a lot of that's because it's not fake In the way that you would maybe think it would have been fake 20 years ago in that the whole thing was made up a lot of these fakes are probably using the same parts as the real thing like maybe the case because the case is made just down the road from wherever they're assembling the fake so they can they can build the basic building blocks which is the case and the strap and then fill it with whatever movement they can come across but because the cases are made nearby they can actually get hold of them at cost or out of a truck out the back door of the factory. So, yeah, I I would love someone to buy one of these extraordinary watches and get it uh, authenticity guaranteed. Maybe we should approach eBay for a wee wee test. (laughs) Go on, authenticity guarantee this. (laughs) We will Uh, discuss
0: that with them for sure. Geneva-based watchmaker Raymond Vial invites you to discover the beautiful Caliber RW 1212 automatic movement. Designed exclusively for Raymond Weil in Switzerland, the RW-1212 features an exposed balance wheel symmetrically positioned on the dial under a traditional watchmaker's bridge. Inspired by the world's great musical composers and instrumentalists, Raymond Weil harmoniously integrates the RW-1212 movement into a family of products that now also includes the visually captivating RW-1212 skeleton. Raymond Vile is a family-owned and operated company that for more than 45 years has been celebrating independent watchmaking for enthusiasts everywhere. Visit raymond wildcom to see
2: more. We, we were going to talk about the Seiko Prospects SPB333J1. We were going to run the guess the price of the Seiko on this. Uh, we won't bother. It's a very nice little dive watch it's a thousand dollars or there or thereabouts with all the stuff that's going on with seiko with all the releases and we say this isn't a new thing but it's probably becoming more obvious to the rest of the watch community just because we keep on talking about it just how much product is coming out of seiko group is it just a distraction now would it stop you buying a seiko because you'd be worried about, well, what's the next thing going to come along? And is it going to look just as good and be just good, but be half the price or double the price? Because you can't figure out what's what within the brand.
0: I think it's a legitimate concern. Um, I know that for myself, I like to take a little bit more time to evaluate whether or not something is a good idea for me. And... Uh, I, I, I definitely am, am put on hold with a lot of the, the, the Seikos. It's not that they're not nice. A lot of them are great, but I am, I'm sometimes confused as to what will come out next. So I, for one, yeah, I, I think I do stop, and I think it would prevent me from buying anything that just came out. I'd buy something that was maybe a few years old happily, being able to know where they were going with that collection and that there wasn't too much great stuff after it. But yeah, I I, I think that I'd be real hesitant about buying just sake Seiko stuff right now.
1: I think they are aiming at a totally different audience. That's the thing. Um, People are going to malls or boutiques shop there or online or whatever. They don't really care. They just want to find an ideal watch, a companion they can can trust and, and buy and just rely on and forget about shopping for another one, you know, a week or a month or a year later. And I think they're just trying to like throw all these things in at the wall and and, and see, you know, what sticks and just move on. But for us people who care about Psycho and Seiko, it's very confusing and quite alarming.
2: Well go and check out the article on the website for the new dive watch from Seiko. Now we touched last week a little bit on AP and whether this is the outgoing uh, CEO just get it all out of his system. But we have a new release from AP, which is the Royal Oak concept tour beyond Spider-Man watch. I'm going to ask it. Hashtag, is it okay? I actually quite like this.
0: Um, I'm not sure if it's okay. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong me? with spider-man <laughs> at all i don't know if they had, if they made this watch for the right reasons i guess that's the point uh-huh. it's cool looking mm. but like and i think the reason why something is made is good like the, the designer had a vision you know they really wanted to make something cool they wanted to innovate like other than simply being an autumn RPG turbion with spider-man and trying to somehow benefit from what that means like who really wants this watch? This is a marketing exercise. And if it makes people very happy to wear, all the better. But I think this watch was made for not the reasons we tend
2: to want watches to be made for. I mean, it's 195,000 Swiss francs. Does anybody know where that sits in the world of concept Royal Oak turbions? Like, is there a big price uplift in this because it's got Spider-Man on it?
0: I mean, the question really is, is how much marvel characters and pop culture characters can push people to get watches uh in the way that maybe a celebrity would wearing it or something like that like it's again as david said it's a lot of his experimentation we're talking about seiko and here you know if it if it sells and people buy it i don't know that anybody needs any more validation that like good taste is not only something that, you know, has never been a barrier to commercialism, but is is disagreed upon by reasonable people. Like, we can all sit there and have a disagreement on what good taste means. So I don't think we're going to, like, win any arguments that should have been made. But if you're having a discussion about, you know, tools that you appreciate being made for the right reasons, I don't know that anybody was trying to be like, oh— spider-man needs a, a mechanical wristwatch and and we made it no that's not what this is this is this is a a tourbillon with a sculpture of spider-man in the middle and that's about that's what it is it's it's it's
2: it's nothing deeper than that okay uh, ari 5000 from the comment section omega nobody can top the embarrassing debacle we made teaming up with swatch Odmar piguet hold my chardonnay is is this is this embarrassing
0: I, to some some people i can see a lot of people legitimately having a a sort of um visceral like reaction like it's like of disgust because it it it's not what people always think when they want to consider like a proud timeless design that will sort of look good in all corners of the world i mean marvel characters are about as pedestrian as it gets. It's the opposite of luxury. <laughs> this idea of, of yeah. elite, you know, high taste only have to be in the know to appreciate it. it. You know, it's this is a merger of, I guess, high horology, but with something which, you know, is about as pedestrian as it gets. You know, a a, a Marvel character which has been around for a long time. So recognizable, sure. A lot of motion, sure. Luxury. And I think that's where some of the distaste comes from, because I don't think that this is luxury in the sense that a lot of us think about luxury or what we want to be. And it challenges you. And I think that that's good. It challenges us. We have a reaction. We're asking ourselves, do we like this? And some people are saying absolutely not. And some people are saying yes. And Audemars Piguet wins. like no doubt auto Piguet is a winner here because people are talking about it and noticing it. And it doesn't... I mean, frankly, like it's not making you like an, a, a nice Royal Oak any less, you know? You're like, okay, this is the brand that did that, so we might not like this, but it doesn't... That's the thing, I think, which is why they did it. It, it, it will not hurt the demand for the Royal Oak. And as long as they don't hurt Royal Oak demand, they can well, do whatever the hell they want.
2: See, this is where I query as to whether that's true because... This watch will escape into pop culture just like the Black Panther one did. It will be worn by some basketball star or rapper or, or whatever it is and it will seep out into the zeitgeist of people who aren't surfing Instagram for watches but are surfing Instagram for their favourite baseball, basketball, name your American sport. And they'll see this watch and the problem comes when the person who bought the Like Royal Oak self-winding perpetual calendar for 140 grand gets stopped in the street by some kid that said, Oh, nice watch. Oh, is that is is that the brand that produced the one with the Spider-Man on it? And that's the point at which the guy that spent 140 grand on the perpetual calendar goes, Wait a minute, this brand is now not being appreciated for what this watch is but is being appreciated for the fact that they also produce a watch with Spider-Man on it. And I think when that happens, that's what starts to diminish the value that they've built in this highly exclusive brand. I mean, if you're only producing 50,000 watches a year, why take the risk of doing this to your brand? Because I think that's what it is. It doesn't stop me liking it, but the reality is, you know, you get into a conversation with anybody Who's got a royal oak just now, and you're gonna ask them what do they think of the Black Panther and the Spider-Man watch. And that kind of thing seeps and sticks to a brand. Uh so I think it's I think it's a dangerous route. Let me to, let me
0: share this. I hear I hear what you're
2: saying. What I would have liked to see
0: is a watch that the Black Panther would have wanted to wear, or a timepiece yes. that Spider-Man would have wanted to wear. And I and I and I Again, these are fantasy characters, but I'm imagining that Spider-Man doesn't want to look down at his wrist and see his own face on it, right? Like, does he need to be reminded, like, who he is or what 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 role he has? Like, it would it would match his suit and his theme. It might have some functional element, but like, it wouldn't just be a souvenir watch with his face on it. So for me, that's the biggest disappointment that Audemars Piguet couldn't take these wonderful characters and take something about their aesthetic, their costume, the materials. And build it into the watch and then maybe on the back of it have the face of the thing or something like that but like that it's just a sculpture in the same way that like Jacob jacob and company makes little you know astronauts like 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 this watch makes jacob and company watches look far more tasteful and sophisticated by comparison and that's just kind of again and a lot of them really are but when you when you say that something from autumn rpg elevates a watch like the you know the astronomia that's had like tarantulas in it and stuff like that <laughs> like <laughs> you know that's that's a that's a that's a big thing to say
2: yeah i, I think your the phrase you use there is dead right it's a souvenir watch admittedly it is a really expensive souvenir it's not the sort of thing you get at a gumball machine but it's a souvenir watch david do you have any thoughts on this matter
1: Yes, I think that's an excellent, excellent point, um, on, on, you know, trying to link it to some, you know, something they would wear, the character would wear, as opposed to just slapping it on there. It's, it's the most basic thing to do. Like, oh, is it a Spider-Man watch? What do we do? Put Spider-Man on it. You know, it's like, put this, the one one thing to do, and it's rather basic. And I agree with you, Rick, when you say that it's, it's the association, like somebody else buying a completely different watch, uh, from AP, uh, does not, Necessarily want to be associated with others. The type of clientele—the hundred of them, or however many they make of these Black Panther and Spider Man watches—is out there. You know, they—they're completely different clientele, and I think. This is why this is a dangerous game. But also I understand and I respect the fact that, you know, they are trying to sexy up the brand a little bit and make it more entertaining and make it more than just a Royal Oak brand that can stamp out a bunch of steel watches that look like, you know, exactly the same way as they did 50 years ago. So, again, it's, it's, it's part of me wants to encourage other brands to do stuff like this that is playful and is out there. But I, at the same time, also can relate to those AP customers who are now Ditching their APs, they Royal Oaks or something like that, because they chose those watches at a time when AP was not a Marvel brand.
2: Okay, well go and leave your thoughts on the website. what do we maybe you know, what do we think will come next? Do we think this is it? Do you think that old CEO is out? This is oh, yeah. the last we see of it. Oh yeah. You think or- you
0: think you think Mrs. Procter and Gamble is gonna you know be <laughs> hot on this? I just can't see her. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's the giant comic book fan, but I feel like this is a project that started a while ago. They already did the thing with Marvel and they probably still have the relationship. But like, you know, for all I know, another one or two of these could be set in motion, but I don't think that the company right now is gonna be like, you know, what we need to do a bunch more comic book characters. Like, just not sure that this is gonna be repeated.
2: <laughs> do Procter and Gamble have any character associated with them? Um
0: of brands?
2: I could make a other bunch brands of brands.
1: Like, have the, the 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 superhero of
2: greenwashing, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they also you know Procter. Never mind. I I, I was gonna go somewhere <laughs> with some of the brands that Procter and Gamble make, but I'll not bother. <laughs> right, They're so, an easy go. target, right? <laughs> <laughs> there is fairly easy targets in there uh, should you choose i'll just name like you know pampers uh etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean they make flash so they could do a, like a tie-in with dc with the dc universe <laughs> and the flash but there we go so hopefully that's the last we see of that david you have had a hands-on i think for quite a wee while i think Yes, with the Bulgari Octo Finissimo skeleton, eight days, ultra thin in titanium. Mm-hmm. Love it. It
1: was a full review actually, with a bunch of pictures and thoughts and comments yeah. on it. So I would highly recommend that people check it out if they want to get to know the Octo Finissimo better. It's the eight days. Um, it's six mill- It's less than six millimeters thick. So it's not as th- uh, not as thin as some other Octo Finissimos, but it's thin enough. Uh, it's in sandblasted titanium and skeletonized. It's, it's fantastic in some ways and uh, raises some questions in other um, fields. So, yeah, I think it's it's worth taking a look. And it is a marvel, actually. And I, I think, you know, one of the, the core takeaway message from this review is the fact that this would be an amazing object just to own and collect and have around the house and just go there and look at it and admire it. And the fact that it's a watch and you can put it on your wrist and you can have it around is even better. But just the way it's made and the way it's constructed and, and all that it knows and it can do. Hey, days power reserve in, in a movement that's like 2.5 millimeters thick or something like that. You know, it's just something that I found myself looking at and trying to figure out how they how they made it. And Rivers engineered in my mind, and I just kept finding more and more amazing details um, the more I looked at it. So again, it's it's a fantastic object to have, and it just happens to be a watch.
2: One of the things about the Altofenissimo is it is one of these watches that does, I think, very easily when you put it on, you know whether it suits you or not. You know, it's a very distinctive shape. And I think a lot of people love this watch. I don't know many people that like, or just, I don't like this watch, but a lot of people love this watch and then they try it on and they go, I just can't wear that. I'm kind of 50-50. I think I probably could wear some of them, but some of them are just either a bit too blingy or they just feel a bit different. How practical an everyday watch did you feel this is? I mean, it's not a small watch. It does, you know, what does it measure out as? I mean, it's square, so it's. You know, it's 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 set to be
1: forty, but it's you know on with square watches, you always have to take that with a grain of salt. So it's a large watch, but because it's so thin, it surely finds its way under a cuff or a sleeve or something like that. So it's not like something that you have. That you're always um, you know um, beating up against something else or, or, or anything like that. So it just crawls under the sleeve and it's not cumbersome. The links are very narrow. They are wide but they are very narrow in the sense that there's lots of them so it follows the curvature of the wrist. The clasp actually folds into the links. So the, the last few links on either, either side of the bracelet are hollowed out so that the clasp folds into them, which is a very clever little execution, because otherwise the clasp and the bracelet together would be thicker than the watch itself. So, again, little details like this are, are really cool. And to answer your question, it's, it's great to have around. It's, it's a fun watch to wear on a daily basis. It's not something that, you know, I, you can totally wear it. I mean, it's eight days power reserve. It's legible.
2: It's comfortable. What more do you want? And you don't feel protective of it. I just wonder, a lot of times in these thin watches, Ariel, you were with, uh, was it Piaget you were with recently?
0: Yeah. Wearing some of their ultra things? Yeah, the Altiplano Ultimate Concept, as well as the
2: Automatic. Yeah, and the thing that always worries me about really thin watches is do you become overly worried no. about just destroying them
1: no not at all oh. I I i felt that way with some of the uh the the even slimmer of the finish was but not this one
0: it depends on the watch David's right like some of them I've worn I was like oh my god but other like the Piaget at like four 4.3 millimeters thick okay the concept which is two millimeters is nuts there's the 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 citizen ecodrive one which is their one millimeter thick watch which uh, I like I don't wear it too often but I like a lot and again it's one millimeter thick nothing's thinner than that and they did a bunch of a bunch of engineering that's, you know, honestly pretty impressive to make sure that it's, you know, not gonna bend. But if you want a durable watch, do not go under
2: about four or five millimeters thick. Because it's a skeletonized watch, I think that also makes me feel nervous because, because you can see all the things and you can see how all the cogs and wheels nest together and the very fine tolerances in that. Actually being able to see that also sometimes makes me nervous because it's like, surely if I knock this off of something everything is just going to overlap itself and spring out of position like I'd almost rather it was covered over so I didn't <laughs> I didn't have to witness it's not untrue i, I mean this poor, poor watch we'll
0: talk about it more in another conversation but you can't just assemble an ultra thin movement as you would uh, a normal thicker movement it requires a very special assembly certain types of techniques it's extremely frustrating most watchmakers <laughs> need a lot of special training so you know, ultra thin really is a grand complication in a lot of ways. It's not very well understood that way, um but it, it's 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 a lot harder to do than it looks.
2: Go, okay. David. At twenty three thousand euros, if you had twenty three thousand euros, would you be considering this for yourself?
1: I would try on all the Octofinis before I would pull the trigger on this, uh, because they do wear differently. They look different, so. Um, I'm still very tempted by the sort of the base of the Finissimo Automatic. I think that's the one I would I would go towards. But if I had this much money and I had one of those already, then I, I'd be tempted to get this one.
2: And I don't wish to call you out as being a liar, David, but surely if you had the money, you'd just buy the Tsujima.
1: Oh, that's right, actually. Like, I yeah, mean, probably yeah, I'd I just that's... go straight to Sujima. <laughs>
2: So this Sejima, it's cheaper as well, is it not?
1: Yeah, yeah, in it, its reflective <laughs> yeah, it's glory. I'm, I wonder if they sold out. I'm sure they sold out really fast. Oh
2: my I goodness! i oh. eBay and see if there's any Sejimas for sale. the, the is that right. the one with the mirror dial? Yes. Yeah, awesome watches. Yeah, those are cool. So they are
1: on <laughs> Chrono Twenty Four from twelve thousand. All of them are in freaking Japan. There are two uh-huh. in the US at like eighteen k
2: right okay they sold originally for 14k i think 14,100 dollars. i think was what they sold for originally uh so there you go go check out the sejima edition i think david did an article on that back in the day
0: Jack Mason is a Dallas, Texas based watch brand founded in 2015. Last year, they made a big splash in the watch community with the launch of their Strato Timer GMT, which featured the Miyota Caliber 9075 movement. It sold out quickly. On the heels of that success, Jack Mason has launched a new dive watch based on the Strato Timer platform. Currently on pre order, the all new Hydro Timer 300 meter features a no day dial with the Miyota caliber 9039 movement and all the necessary specs you want to see in a proper dive watch. Jack Mason has also begun American wristwatch assembly, as well as regulating timepiece movements in-house. With more enthusiast-based watches coming down the pipeline this year, be sure to check out their website at jackmasonbrand.com. Sign up for their newsletter to stay up to date on product drops and other Jack Mason
2: brand news hanhart a brand that to my mind just doesn't get enough love but you've been trying out these 417 ES's flybacks two sizes size seems to be a bit of a theme 39 and 42 would you lean towards the 42 the 39 or actually neither of them
0: that's a good question. So this is the second time I've taken a look at the Hanhart Pioneer 417 ES. The new versions are called the Flyback. The first version was called the 1954. It's a little bit confusing, very minor differences between these models. But in essence, it takes a Hanhart watch that they made in the early 1950s, which really looks like it should have come out in the 1940s because it's based upon a design from them, I believe. Um, and they remade it today. Hanhart has a lot of real you know legitimacy as being a pilot watchmaker um and and so this is something that they really made and this is a particular style of classic um flieger watch which i just think is handsome and they seem to know that and what they've done is they just sort of tried to make enough variety for everyone's taste so it begins with a manually wound version of the uh, solita sw um, 510 um, which is nice because there's a display case back on some of them that's actually interesting they don't all have display case backs and you can see the movement which is pretty nicely done and again it feels like the original i mean i would have preferred an automatic but i get it i get it and you have versions with an all black dial then you have the ones with the black dial and the white sub dials or the white dial with the black subdials, and it comes in, as you said, a 39 or a 42mm wide case. What do I prefer? I actually don't dislike the 39 here, especially on the boon. The boon makes it wear larger. Uh it's also um uh, on the thicker side, because you know it's a chronograph, the the SW510, even though it doesn't have the automatic rotor, it's still you know, it's still a thicker movement. So for me, the actual 39 is, is nice. I prefer that one because the 42 on the boond strap is a bit on the larger side for me. Um, but if I had to take it off the boond, um, it would probably be the, the, the larger size. But again, that's one of the ones where I found myself wearing the 39 more. The, the newer versions of it, um, have a flyback movement. And the smaller case is anti-magnetic, and it has the closed case back. And the forty-two is the one that has the display case back. So there's a little bit of variety there. Price was a bit over two thousand, I think. It just it, it felt like a good package, um, and it was sort of an interesting thing for Hanhart to do, sort of come out back out with that but look this is the time where there's still a huge amount of fervor for vintage designs less and less people want the actual vintage designs. so these newly made watches that are modern in most respects materials construction movement but these vintage designs this is a a very ripe area right now commercially um and i think every brand that can do it should get in on it for a while so hanhart's doing the doing the right thing
2: cool yeah i'm a big fan of hanhart particularly actually the primus desert pilot i particularly like one of the most legible chronographs i've ever handled david experiences of hanhart yes
1: i've had them in for a photo shoot a number of years ago three four years ago and i have been in love with them ever since i think these are these are excellent watches and i agree that they are underrated um and you know it's it's the typical thing it's like you know, people find this online and then they go and then they pull the trigger and then it's just a great watch to have. And then you have to explain to everybody why it's a great watch. Especially this 417ES, I think it's it's a, it's a great watch that's vintage without, without being like, you know, trying too hard. Uh, wears great. Not too large, not too small. It's its own thing. I think it's a great watch.
2: Any particular thoughts on why Han Hart isn't getting the the love, it just seems to continually bubble under. I mean, look, we just spent... When brands like Oris and others seem to have risen above the rest.
0: Well, as I was about to say, and I think it's a good point, Rick, but we just spent the better part of the show on eBay looking at a bunch of watches that are cool that haven't got a lot of love. And I think that's really the important thing to point out is that in the watch world today, you need two things. You need a good product and you need to have brand desirability. And you you, you can't have just one. You, you know, Rolex is a great example. Huge brand desirability and, and you know, a superlative product. You know, there's flaws, but they, they make a great watch most of the time. And so I think that that's really what we're demonstrating. So when you have a watch that's a great product, but an undesirable brand, you have this situation where we're all like scratching our heads. Well, how come more people don't know about us? Well, because not there's a, such a small amount of weirdos like us that spend our free time on eBay looking at undiscovered watches. Like, there are some, but admittedly it's a small amount because most of the people who are on eBay looking at watches are, are looking for things that they already know about. So this is like, you know, n- niche within a niche and that's okay but i i think that explains why um there isn't more fervor around this because these brands for whatever reason didn't get popular either they didn't get lucky as many brands do where there's some famous reason for their their watches to be known like with doxa being incorporated in the the clive Custler books that's sort of like luck um or they spend a lot of money to to get known but absent you know, luck or spending and effort, um, the mainstream just isn't going to know about most of the good watches out there.
2: Final watch chat for today will come courtesy, and I suppose we've gone a bit full circle here, starting off talking about large and small watches, but it will be with Panerai. Uh, David, you did a hands-on chat about the Panamera, Panerai Radiomir California, the PAM 1349 what do you think of California dials, first of all?
1: I love them. If I were to get a Panerai, it would definitely have one of these California or so-called error-proof dials, I think, and they are fantastic.
2: And what do you think of the radium here in general?
1: Yeah, I think the radium is, is underrated a little bit. I think it's it's a cool thing for those who who wouldn't who, who are yet to see a, a California dial. It's, it's where the indices and in the top half of the dial are in Roman numerals and in the bottom half lower half are Arabic numerals and it's it's a cool little thing and Periscope has has done uh, this great article that is uh, about the history of these and how these are linked to the war and to Rolex and how it was designed and patented by Rolex actually this dial design and how it was then handed over to Panerai and yeah it's just it's it has its own history and I think that's cool and it looks amazing too on the wrist and it's it's great to look at so yeah, error-proof dials or California dials are a great addition to any collection. And this one, uh, you know, I think that the Rodeo Merit case responds really well to this uh, tumble-brushed finish. You know, I, th- I think it's... it's uh, when, when we were at Watches and Wonders and we were looking at all the novelties from Panerai, I uh, immediately migrated towards this one because I, th- I thought it was just uh, one of the cooler watches out there. It's $12,300, and I do have some points of criticism mainly about the movement it's just one giant plate that covers almost all of the movement and it's just not that nice to look at for 12 grand it should be uh, more detailed and more nuanced and on the case back itself there's this really cool script in in this old school like 1930s typography that says Panerai Mir. and I thought It would be great to see the brand match the typography on the movement since it's basically all text that you have to look at if you're looking for decorations to match the typography there. And I feel like we should be pushing some of these brands to do more for twelve grand, This is a great watch, but it would be even better if it had a a little bit more of a cohesion between movement and case and little details like that, especially for this much money.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've posited uh, recently that you know twelve grand is the new seven and a half grand, yes. or thirteen grand, you know, and I think I think you're right. I think you could absolutely see this watch being seven grand five, six, seven years ago, and I think you're right that the case back is dis. Well, what you see is disappointing. I think it would have been interesting to take that plate and actually give it the same treatment as the case. That would have been interesting. But to have this shiny base plate while you're looking at a brushed steel rest of watch just seems a bit odd. Hmm. Um, just seems a bit, as you say, discombobulated, disjointed. Yes. Uh, and it, you know, it's almost not worth having. You would have been better almost with one of those kind of, you know, highly decorated Panerai case backs that you sometimes see when they have these kind of half hunter cases from back in the day ariel are you a Pan- you like big watches but are you a panerai fan
0: i think a lot of panerai watches look really really cool i'm i'm also amongst the people who has a bit of an issue with the pricing but i'll readily admit i'm not necessarily the target demographic when you don't understand a brand's pricing it usually means that they're not trying to sell to you and i think that that's probably a lot of what's going on here Um, and and you notice that a lot of brands sort of swoop in and they offer substantially... Uh, similar wearing experience, case size kind of design movements uh, in a lot of ways for a lot less, especially when it comes to sort of the the, the simple three-hand or, or basic complications. Panerai tried to assert themselves in their higher price points in a lot of ways with in-house movements and then a lot of sophisticated fancy movements. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's most people want out of the brand. It's not necessarily the complications. It's just sort of that core military Style, and I think no one really feels that it needs to cost that much. So it's sort of what people want out of Panerai, isn't what Panerai itself, uh, you know, wants to sell from its profit goals and things like that. So I think that there's a little bit of that inherent conflict of interest in there, and and I think that that's that's different with other brands. Um, You know, you look at Vacheron, which is another you know Richemont Group brand, where which is a company where people want to spend more on because they want to see things like a lot of polishing complications fancy movements it, it makes more sense um when you look at the brand character and sort of the average price point so i think that that is a challenge that exists for a lot of the watch lover traditionalists i think that companies like panor i think that there's you know new people that they can always go out to and um you know, a fresh consumer, new blood, as they say, and and maybe maybe that helps them. And also, they get to issues where they can't really go backwards. And so there's these trends they want to you know make as much money. They're not selling as many watches, and they get to a certain price point, and then I think they get stuck. It's almost like you speed up the car, but the brakes are broken, and like you you can't really go any slower. <laughs> um, so I, I it's hard for me to predict exactly what's going on in there, but my suspicion is that a lot of the people internally at Panerai agree with us but there's not a lot of clear-cut ways on 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 how to do that
2: good well go and check out david's article it's a really good one and if i do say so myself it is a really lovely watch but then i am a panerai fan so there you go gentlemen that is us for this week uh we already touched a little bit on what you're up to in this coming week but is there anything else exciting in the inbox that you're looking forward to in the world of watches
1: Just more watches.
2: (laughs) More watches. Do we have any insight into anything that may be coming? Any brands to watch out for at Couture?
0: I I love how... You know, sometimes for you, Richard, the, the next best watch is the one that, you know, that doesn't exist yet. You're like, screw all the watches that are available. <laughs> Anything yeah. cool coming?
2: Anything cooler than this? Like, is the coolness meter increasing?
0: <laughs> it, it Maybe Seiko's rubbing off on you where you're just getting excited about the next thing. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I understand from a news perspective why we always want to, like, talk about what's next. But I feel that the wisest thing we can sometimes do is enjoy what's out right now because that's how stuff gets missed. That's how we find these, you know, incredibly high discounts on eBay sometimes because the people are so obsessed with like, okay, I like it in orange is it ever going to come in this other color. Like, maybe you should play with it in orange for a while and see how you feel. You know, the slowing down your time is, you know, maybe some good advice. There will always be new things coming. What I like is when I go to these events and I have no idea, I want to be surprised. You know, like David already knows everything about this brigade event. Like they would have sent me this stuff. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not looking at it. Like I, I want to be surprised once in a while. And I think the brands actually appreciate when people want to be surprised. So, you know, I think I
2: like to keep it that way where the
0: stuff comes in the inbox. I'm like, Whoa, what the hell is that? Well, we'll just cancel
2: next week's show. And I'll uh, <laughs> go back and look at the old articles. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a show one week where there are no new watches. We just have to find stuff that didn't get the coverage. It was, we, we thought it deserved from like pick a year. You know, any given year, <laughs>
0: there's probably about 50 watches that we shot and that we could have written about that we, we didn't right? Like probably about 50 a year or so. So like, there's actually a lot of, you know, like the watches that the blog to watch forgot. Like that's all, that could fill up many shows.
2: Well, I think we might have a wee section coming on that because that sounds like quite good fun. David, where can we find you on the internet?
1: It's abtw__david, and I wanted to add that, yeah, it's, there's like a 9 out of 10 chance that whatever it is that you're expecting from the next watch that you're hoping for, the, for a brand to release, it's already been done. And uh, there's a 6 <laughs> out of 10 chance that it's on eBay.
2: <laughs> well, so today's recommendation... And this is not part of a sponsor's message, even though there may well have been an advert for eBay in the show. Let's go and check out eBay. Uh, Ariel, where can we find you on the internet this week?
0: You can read my articles on ablogtowatch.com, more video reviews coming on our com YouTube channel, the Superlative Podcast, in addition to the blog to watch Weekly Podcast, and on Instagram
2: at ariel2watch excellent you can find me at rick tiktok thanks for listening tune in again next week goodbye have a good one bye
1: everyone